like I can read all these books, but I can't enact all the information in it because I'm not doing it. You wouldn't go to a driving instructor and go, you know, you see him get off the bus and then get into the car to teach you. You just wouldn't. You'd be like, what the, what are you doing? Welcome back to Infinity Inc, where I talk to some of the world's brightest founders and thinkers about their bold visions for the future and the thinking that went into all in an easily digestible half an hour. We'll be focusing on ideas and companies that can have a transformative impact on the world, including everything from new school systems to seasteading. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Gary, so glad to finally have you here in front of me. We had a lot of obstacles uh, in the lead up between barbecues and alarms and, and whatever. But uh, yeah, it's great to have you here. Great. Look, it's good to be on the other side of the mic for a change. Yeah. And uh, I did want to say thanks for coming on because uh, I think for myself and a lot of uh, young people in, in Dublin that are interested in business, you've been a bit of an inspiration up there battling it out with uh, <laughs> the Gary V's and the Tim Ferris's of the world. We're already off to a great start. Flattery will get yeah. you there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan. That's the plan. So, yeah, how, how have you been getting on, apart from the frustration of the, the other night, the Man United match? <laughs> My Twitter rants on the United thing. Generally, yeah. I'm super upbeat on Twitter until it gets to United. So what are we now? June. Yeah, so this is since March. So, yeah, I was... So I do the podcast, like you say. I do, like, a weekly podcast about entrepreneurs. I also run a business during the around tourism and travel and accommodation so obviously they all stopped so once the u.s travel ban happened everything stopped for us it was like literally a switch flicking and it was just stopped so we had like a kind of a crazy few weeks of just cancellations and, and comms a lot of it was just communications reaching out to people because mm-hmm. you're trying to understand something that's never happened before we've had little mini things like snowstorms and you know bad weather and all that kind of stuff we've dealt with lots of yeah at all until the next thing where you haven't seen it all so for us it was kind of a very new situation and then after two or three weeks you're kind of going all right this is the new normal i guess this is just where we are and then when everything stopped it was just a weird struggle with it for a couple of weeks because i can very quite routine driven goal driven literally have two whiteboards in front of me everything's written out because when you work for yourself you can kind of veer off into total yeah. kind of like either you know total freedom which is kind of overwhelming in itself i tried to kind of come back from that and kind of give myself a little bit of a base structure now so you go off depending on what happens in the day but yeah i found the lack of structure really uncomfortable and with such uncertainty about the business just everything i just had a few weeks where i just couldn't get things straight in my head yeah then when i kind of got my structure back literally just you know back in up at the same time it's all the basic stuff yeah we're always looking well i'm always looking i think you're the same you're always looking for the new thing like what's, yeah. what's the edge where, where's where's the, the secret sauce and again it's just the basics isn't it and the more you read and the more you consume that you realize it's just the basics you know daily getting your regular sleep getting up at the same time that's a big one for me mm. it's just if i get up at the same time every day just sets the day right i'm kind of right i'm focused i'm clear on what i'm doing Whereas if you're kind of getting up at different times of the day, your body's all over the place. So once I got more productive in the podcast, I was more productive in doing some writing and doing some and exploring new projects. So the podcast started as a kind of a, like an audio diary about new projects. And as we were talking about just before we came on, 
it's very difficult. I learned to give an audio diary about a current business. So basically the entrepreneur experiment was meant to be me kind of chronicling host butlers and then chronicling setting up new business. And due to kind of regulation changes around Airbnb in Dublin, I had I got fully pulled back into the host butlers business. I was effectively managing it. I had some three incredible staff members who were just who basically could run it day in, day out, which is the dream. It took a long time to get there, but the the people that worked for me were just top class and they were able to kind of take control of it and it allowed me that time to step away, but then I got pulled back in. So the the entrepreneur experiment just evolved then into my weekly chats with fellow entrepreneurs. And that was something I'd wanted to formalize because when I was running hostballers, you get quite siloed in any business you're working in. You get kind of, you know, you have to be obsessed. You have to be absolutely obsessed about what you're doing because you, you just won't be a success. Otherwise, I believe in the early stages anyway. So I got quite siloed into what I was doing and my focus had just been on just, just what I was doing. But you kind of tend to lose sight of, the kind of macro opportunities around you then. So yeah. I wanted a great reason to build a super network, learn a lot and get a chance to sit with these people for an hour every week and learn from the best because how else for me, it was just a hack. It was a hack for learning and, and connecting with top class individuals. So yeah, that's kind of a very long winded answer. Yeah. Things have been things, things are okay now because I think everyone's got used to it. Uh, this is the new norm. Everyone is now used to remote work. We're used to social distancing. We're used to, you know, how life is now. Yeah, it's it's probably accelerated a lot of trends that were maybe going to happen over the next 10 years and space them into a, a space of about six months. Mm. Um, and yeah, Gary, I know we're going to jam on a good few ideas today in, in kind of the spirit of the My First Million pod, which I know you're a big fan of. Uh, it would be remiss of me not to ask you to maybe share a little bit about your background and your story, maybe starting with uh, the old days in DCU, was it? <laughs> yeah, let me think back. So I did, did my undergrad in, in UL. UL, okay. Business in UL, which is a super college, really is. So I did that and then came back and worked, worked for First Honor for a little bit. And then went back working with a mate of mine who had actually given me my first job. So I started a first job and I was like, 14, 15 in a mobile phone shop in Nina in Tip. And I'd worked with him all the way through college. So, you know, doing in secondary school and then in college, I worked with him. And then I set up my own business in college doing mobile phone repairs. So I set up a shop in UL and I'd worked with him all the way up. So we'd always been doing kind of various schemes and bits and bobs together. Yeah. He was kind of my first kind of intro into like an entrepreneur as to what it was. I didn't really know what I wanted to do in school. And we'll touch on that kind of education and the future of education, but I didn't have a clue. I don't think anyone does. Like how the yeah. hell do you have to know? Like how the hell you're, you're 16, 17, you don't know what anything is. Like you don't know. <laughs> you just pick this out of a CEO form and you're like, off you go. There's the next 40 years of your life. Yeah. And you've literally no clue as to what they are. So I went back work with him in property. I just had a natural interest in property and kind of trusted his judgment. He was he saw an opportunity. Went back working with him in property for a couple of years. And I always had an interest then in, as you can see from all the books, like you know, just reading, learning, journalism, storytelling. So I went back and did a master's in journalism in DIT. And 
that was possibly the worst time in the world to do a journalism masters because okay, yeah. it was as print was going like this, but digital was still this well, it kind of still is today. It was kind of this flimsy kind of maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. So print was just declining at a rapid pace. All the newspapers were letting people go, but digital still wasn't there. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, like people, now, people didn't have their sub stacks or their exactly yeah. exactly yeah so like people didn't like you couldn't go out and carve a name for yourself on twitter or instagram or whatever it just wasn't there so it's just mm. timing is really off and this photojournalist niall carson from the press association came in to give a talk to us a guest lecture and he just talked about his his career and what he did and i was like this is amazing he was it was exciting he was storytelling through imagery and I just got chatting to him after the class and I just asked him, I was like, look, can I just come out with you for a couple of weeks? And he was, yeah, he was just a total gent. He's he still works for PA. He's well worth a follow on Twitter. He's okay, quite funny. He also shares a lot of great imagery. So he, he'd be one of the leading photojournalists in Ireland. Like he's been top for the last 10, 15 years. So when I went him for a couple of weeks, really loved it. It's quite addictive. It's very, very addictive because it kind of has that thing that entrepreneurs love. It has the immediate reward. You get, you go out, you take a great image the next day. It's on the front of the Irish times or it's a big center spread or it's, it's, you know, it's featured in a big article and I just loved it. I kind of got hooked on that. So when I finished the journalism masters, I just started doing that. I started doing photojournalism. I'd literally zero background in it zero experience so i just got some photo gear and just started doing it and just like i when i got more experience with him he was super good to me julian bahal as well took me out and just learned by doing and i think that was my first experience well actually my first experience of learning by doing was definitely the entrepreneur but i didn't really realize that at the time yeah because we were just having so much fun it was just great crack we just enjoyed what we did didn't really think it was work didn't think it was a job or a career that was my first kind of time where I was like learning by doing is definitely how I learn. Yeah. And that's something as well. Everyone learns different. And I think this, the school system and the college system is set up for one type of learning only. And you either go in, memorize, regurgitate. So it's not set up for learning by doing. I don't think anyway, it's not something yeah. that ever, clicked me i was quite good in school but that's because i was just prepared to work hard i just put the hours in i was definitely not gifted or talented and i think a lot of people kind of were the same in terms of to just learn the system okay i just have to do this to get a b or an a or whatever so okay grand let's learn the system but in terms of learning minimal i think you're exactly right i think it's very easy to to game the system in a way paul graham writes about this in in the lessons to unlearn that like all the new founders coming in, like out of college, they'll be looking for, okay, so what's, what's the game? How do I maximize it? Or, um, because I think that's what's really incentivized in the school system. David Perel, who we were talking about uh, earlier as well, he put up a very good tweet, basically says, in the real world, you've access to all the information in the world, calculators, you know, whatever you want. And it's how you use that that then matters. Whereas in school, you've no access to outside information, no access to calculators, no access to anything. Mm. Um, and you just have to, you know, cram it all into your head before you go in and put it down on the paper. 
so yeah, it's uh, it's it's far from perfect anyway. But uh, yeah, how designed for a different time? It was designed yeah. for a time when we didn't know that information. It was mm, exactly, for a time whereby you know, information was power, and you if you had that information and I didn't, well, I couldn't access that. It was in your head. I was like, oh, mm. you know, Will's a genius. Okay, yeah. I'll work for Will. Whereas now, it's more learning how to learn. I think is going to be the skill. So, how do you learn in terms of what are the systems you need? How do you access information? How do you process it? And how do you store it? So how do you digest information? It's just an overload, complete yeah. not or overload of information. Like, so how do you get good information? How do you store that either in a system in a note? I know you're big on this as well in terms of yeah. a tracking system in terms of, you know, how do you access that again? So in six months time, when you're thinking about, what was that unbelievable lesson about SEO? Okay, let me go back and find that. Because you go back Googling, it's gone. It's in the ether. Like there's mm. 6 million results about SEO. Um, so I think that's going to be the new superpower is people who are able to digest information quickly, scan it and go reliable, unreliable. And I think curation will become a big thing. I think curation will become a massive business. I know you want to talk about trends later, but that's definitely one of them is curation of information and curation of high quality ideas that are validated. There aren't some guy just going on Twitter going, I think this mm. based on just something I think, no backup. I think curation of good ideas will become huge. Exactly. Yeah. And I think like a lot of people think when they're creating content online that it has to be, you know, perfectly original. And they have to come up with it out of thin air. But I think a lot of the best blogs, Farnham Street by Shane Paris being one of them, yeah. is just basically taking the best lessons. He, he basically does the reading for us uh, and then puts it in a, an easily digestible format. That's just like convenient. I think, yeah, that's, that's definitely on the rise. Mm, just um, original ideas. Just yeah. You, you know, you can, you can, and if, if you do come up with them, you might get one or two a year. Mm. And, you know that's not enough <laughs> that's not enough to yeah. Get the so yeah i i think curation of high quality good content will will become huge yeah and uh i know we, t we took perhaps a little detour there but um do you mind talking about the lessons learned from your first company which if i remember correctly didn't end uh, particularly well it did not. No. <laughs> so yeah, I went back, skip forward, we did phone journalism for five, six years. Then I could see this digital wave coming. I was like, I just, again, I was, it took a long time for the digital media to catch up with where print was. And I was still kind of churning out photos every day. And I was just kind of looking at this digital wave coming, going, just, this is so huge. You know, this is going to yeah. overtake absolutely everything. And the world was just starting to transform so fast. And at such a pace, like things are just so rapid now. And they were just starting to get there at that time. So I went back to DCU, did another master's because I thought master's equals competency and learning yeah. and didn't DCU, which was unbelievable. I have to say DCU was an absolutely brilliant learning education because some of the lecturers were very good because yeah. I was able to relate to them straight away because they the industry experience and you know, people like, I think, you know, Theo Lynn as well, Geraldine Lavin, people who've actually been out in the real world, got their scars, you know, built companies, built businesses and understood what it's all about and then come back and were able to deliver that. Yeah. Um, while doing the masters, I connected with some really good friends of mine, still best friends of mine today. 
and we started kicking around some business ideas. And as part of it, a good thing I liked about DCU is that part of the final thesis for the masters was you can come up with a business idea. So we had an idea for a video content. So we could see video content was starting to become, it was, it was bubbling away. It was starting to come up, but it was one of those ideas that was like far too early. Yeah. At the time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think we're, I think we're just, just going to hit the wave here. So what was the video landscape like at that time? It was basic. It was very basic. Like YouTube was just starting to become a thing. Okay. Yeah. Boxing videos were suddenly this like new wave of like, Oh my God, people are getting paid to unbox toys. We found interesting. We're all just kind of captivated by it. And it was still very new. But when you think back nine years ago, what the iPhone was 2007. So videos on phones weren't really that popular, you know, so it was really, you were still kind of limited to the desktop and, and, okay, to, yeah. and it, you know, there wasn't as many, whereas now every side is video. Um, so we kind of put together this plan for like a video content marketplace whereby products would automatically link to videos. So instead of just having a static product image, it would be just replaced by video image and it would be replaced by all user generated content. So if you were inquiring about, you know, the brand new Samsung 11, you'd have a static image for the product, but you also have all the user generated content videos below it. So, you know, MKBHD reviewing Samsung 11, you know, this review, yeah. this review, this review, and all this kind of user generated content, putting that all together, creating this kind of marketplace whereby it would all link up automatically for e-commerce. Wildly ambitious. Yeah. Far too big, you know, for, for people who had limited technical skills. We were all business students. Jen had a little bit of technical skills. She was the most technical of us. She knew how, how it would run. She had a vision in her head. She was able to explain it to other technical people. There was four of us. The other three were all business. So yeah. we had kind of like half a technical founder and three and a half business founders. So we were kind of hamstrung from the start because we knew what we wanted to do marketing wise. We knew the business stream, but like the, the technical thing was so big and we had no understanding how big it was. So we kind of took it on and, and probably what was our greatest blessing at the time was our greatest curse is that we'd really early success. So while we were doing the masters, we applied to the accelerator program in NDRC and we were like, Oh, we are, we're made here. This yeah. is it. We've done it. We've, we've cracked it. So we got on this. We're, we're still in the masters and we'd already been accepted onto the accelerator and we got like 20 grand funding and, you know, suddenly we had a company and suddenly we had this idea and we're off and running and we'd office space and we'd mentors and we thought, this is it. We've met it, yeah. you know, and we really had no clue what we were doing. Genuinely had absolutely no idea. I'd run businesses before, but they were all very much businesses as in, I take this phone, I replace the screen, 90 euros. Thanks very much. You know, it yeah, was all, yeah. I buy this bar or I rent this property a thousand euros a month. Great. You know, very much business basics, how you should learn. And this was a huge play. This was massive, you know? So we got in way over our heads. So we went into NDRC, did the masters, completed that, walked away thinking we were great. Went into NDRC, did like, it was a 12 week accelerator, which is just gone. We thought, but then in 12 weeks, we're going to have a fully formed business here. We're going to be flying. And they kind of gear you up towards funding. They're like, okay, you're literally on a 12-week funding window here. You're going to finish up at the end of 12 weeks, and you're just going to go for funding. And you have all these people telling you all these different things. And it's not that they mean any harm. It's just that they're just giving their impression 
of advice that is just based yeah. on their and I always say this to people since it's the lesson I've learned definitely is people never mean harm when they give you advice, but it's up to you what you do with it. You have to filter it and go, don't just take it blindly. Don't be ignorant and, and just if you've asked someone for advice, you know, take it and filter it and process it. But you'll only you know need maybe five or ten percent of it. We follow everything blindly. We just kind yeah. of someone would say, you know what you need to do? you need to do this. And we'd be like, oh, okay. And we'd go off and we change and we go off and we do this. We just chase down a million different dead ends. And I remember as it got towards the end, we were just in this maze of just this fog of just like uncertainty as what to do. We tried to cover every base, like every cliche. We tried to do everything. So we had this big drawing of everything it did. And like, it was like 60 different things it could do. And you're like, Jesus Christ, if it just did one and did yeah. it well, we would have been fine. And we still yeah. probably would have struggled to implement that, but we just got completely lost in a mire of chasing dead ends. And instead of just literally building one, nailing the hell out of that, we tried to be all things to all people. Basically ignorance just basically killed us. So we basically did that for two years, nearly invested a huge amount of our own money and time in it. And it was an, an interesting journey, but it definitely did sting. I learned a huge amount from it, but it's not the fairy tale that it's meant out to be. You learn a huge amount for your failures. You will, but at the time it'll sting like hell. So you will mm. fail. Everyone will fail at whatever business they do. Um, but it will sting like hell, but it's what you take from it. If you just kind of go, oh, we were so unlucky. Oh, it could have been this, could have been that. At the end of the day, it's your own responsibility to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. And um, obviously, you learned a lot from that. You know, failure is a great teacher, but, uh, but it's not the only one. Do you think that maybe if you would, do you recommend that young people maybe, you know, go work at a, at a really well-run company kind of coming out of college to, to learn the craft? Or do you think everyone has to go through that, that it's a great question. It's exactly a question I thought you'd ask me. And I was like, what is the answer to that? It's different for everybody. It's different. Is I could never work for anyone ever again um, because yeah. I just enjoy working for myself too much. When I left that company, or when we shut it down, I should say, um, I did go back and work for a big company because A, I was broke and I needed the money. B, I was completely burnt out. I just had no drive and energy left to get back up and go again. And I did learn a huge amount. So there's no easy answer to that question because it's like yeah. anything, you know, how do you learn? Well, I learned different than you and you, you learn different from him. It's, it's very different. The only way to learn though is by doing. And that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a certainty. There's, certain, there's a lot of things where I'd be like, that's a, the only way to learn. So if you're learning entrepreneurship in college, that's fine. But go out and do it. Go out and start something, especially now when like we could whip something up today. We'd be like, oh, let's come up with a business idea. Okay, the idea is this. Right, okay. You're going to do a Shopify site. I'm going to build a Squarespace overlay. We're going to get going. We're going to launch our social media. Don't even need the product. We can just create a buy now button. When hit buy now, they go onto an email. Let's go. We're launching soon. A few hours and you have your business up and running. Whereas, yeah. you know, really popular or possible even yeah so yeah like 10 20 years ago before like aws and everything like yeah starting company was a huge decision uh like oh, a, massive and you'd be yeah. 
Oh, that was that was essentially fraud back then because yeah. people had to like mail your checks. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh, what am I gonna do with these? Um, but like that's how all great entrepreneurs start. Like uh, every mm. every like I've done what near nearly sixty episodes of the Entrepreneur Experiment now. All of them just start with a tiny idea. Just start yeah. with one thing, and it'll often not even resemble closely what you end up with. It'll I think totally different. Yeah, I think the best example of that is probably a SpaceX was started as the Mars Oasis project where Elon was going to send up Russian rockets and plant, you know, green plants on Mars for a publicity stunt. Uh, And now he's, whatever, launching reusable rockets as a private company. Mm. But um, whatever you start with, it won't be your finished product. So don't stress out about it. Just start, mm. just start something, just whatever you're into, just start some little tiny business. So I'm very passionate about that in terms of, if, if you want your own business, the only way is to start. Going to work for someone else is great in terms of yeah. you learn a huge amount of mistakes and you learn it on their money. But also there's a tipping point whereby you'll get, it's like the tiger in the zoo, you'll get used to the cage and you won't want to go back out. You'll get fed every, every nine, one and six. You'll get fed your meals. You'll have a nice place to sleep at night. And it's the same with working for a big company. You know, they're so good, you know, at lunch the Googles, Facebooks, the world, you know, they're so good. They cater to people's every need. You pay it very well. You know, so I think the desire and the hunger, what's the quote about, you know, it's hard to be hungry when you're sleep, sleeping in silk sheets. Yeah. I think that's, or, I think that's for fighters. Think there are three worst addictions are uh, crack, gambling, and a monthly salary. Yeah, I think that's very important for people to understand. Um, but I thought we might move on to uh, host butlers. And uh, you wrote an epic a blog series about bootstrapping that from <laughs> zero to hundred K in 12 months. Read it. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was me, me, me and your mom. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, it wasn't a podcast. So she didn't consume it. She's mad about the podcast. Yeah. Blogs. <laughs> so was that something you were, you were very conscious of bootstrapping it after that experience with getting the funding? Yeah, massively. I had a massive chip on my shoulder about not getting any funding. Yeah. In terms of, I just didn't want to go down that game again because it's kind of a game. It's it's this this round of endless kind of like show ponying whereby you're going in, you're pitching their ideas yeah. to all these people, and you're relying on a kink of fate or a twist of luck or the right person being in the right mood of the right day. And after that, I just I just didn't want to leave my fate in anyone else's hands ever again. I just didn't want because I've seen kind of both sides of it. I've seen how close, you know, friends of mine have come to going bankrupt, to, to getting the funding, to not getting the funding, to, you know, getting the right funding at the right time. And suddenly they're off and running. It's, it's a lottery and, and it's, it's, yeah. it's too hard, especially when you've done one. I was just like, okay, I'm going to do something that I can scale with very little money that's down to my work ethic. So I went back to what I know. I went back to a work ethic of like, okay, I know I'll work hard. I know I can do the hours. I'm not afraid of just putting my head down and going, right, buy it for one, sell it for two, off we go. So that was something, yeah, I was very passionate about whatever business idea I had. I would always go back to going, right, can I start this without any external funding? I didn't want a bank loan. I didn't want a personal loan. I didn't want an overdraft didn't want anything. And I was almost, I almost had a power and it probably held me back a little bit in the first kind of year of post butlers because I did absolutely everything myself. I literally yeah. did every single bit myself, but 
the lessons learned in the first two years in host fullers was more than my degree and my master's combined. Yeah, and I suppose at the moment you've kind of created a, a personal MBA for yourself of sorts with the um, the um, entrepreneur experiment. Was that something that you consciously designed? Kind of. It was. It was. It was designed as kind of a yeah a personal learning project and a networking project kind of combined together. So the best of both, because we talked about it a little bit before we started a huge part of college is the social aspect. Yeah. And I don't mean just going out on the lash. I mean, the people you'll meet will shape your future, the friends you'll make, the relationships you'll form. They'll be your business partners, your life partners, your everything, you know, College is a huge formational time for someone between the ages of 18 and 21, a huge amount of stuff happens. You know, you might, whether it be your first time away from home, it'll be your first time in a grown up environment whereby you're the master of your destiny. Go to college, don't go to college. No one's going to really give a shit at the end of the year. You will have to sit down and do the exams. So I think the social aspect of that is huge. And so I kind of wanted to combine the best of both in terms of, I wanted to develop a great network of like-minded people who I could learn from and rely on and just the, the connections you make will be almost, if not more important than the content you'll consume. You need a healthy balance of both. Yeah. Without one, there isn't the other, if you know what I mean? Like without, without having a good grasp of the content, you won't attract good people. Do you know that kind of yeah, way? Yeah. It's kind of a chicken and egg scenario because at the time you're like, Oh, you know, is this worth it? Is all the stuff I'm learning? Am I really learning anything? And it's only after the fact you'd be like, oh yeah, I do know quite a lot about X or Y or Z. Mm. And you learn how to communicate those ideas. And I think that's a skill on a slight side tangent. That's a skill that's, I think, not many people have. And that's why I love to see people like yourself doing podcasts and writing because communication skills, I think, are so lacking in a huge amount of people, even very successful people running big companies just can't communicate an idea without going back to like gobbledygook, you know, corporate language and acronyms and, you know, insider talk, being able to communicate a crystal clear idea in a very simple way that anyone can understand is hugely over underrated. And I think, you know, people like yourselves who are realizing this now and are learning the communication skills will have a huge advantage. Very kind of you to say, yeah, I think like a lot of people's, uh, media diet is like probably 99.9% uh, consume and then maybe 0.1% produced or share ideas. And it's very easy to think you understand everything you're consuming when you're, when you're taking it in. Uh, but it's not until you try and maybe write a blog post or write a little LinkedIn post about it that you realize, oh wait, maybe I don't quite have it down in my head. So I think it's, it's a really good forcing function to make sure you really understand what you're, uh, what you're taking in is actually to put it back out into the world. You've nailed it there. You've absolutely nailed it in terms of if you want to understand something, teach it. Yeah. That's 100%. I literally heard someone say that today in another podcast. And it's true because, yeah, so much stuff washes over you and you can, you can passively consume. And there's a very big difference between passively consuming and actively consuming. You can just passively flick through a magazine mm. and put it down. I've done this. I'm very hugely guilty of this. Put it, put it down. And I'll try to go, right, what did I just read there? And you'd be like, mm, you might pick up one or two bits. A lot of it's just 
because your mind is elsewhere and you're kind of, we're so programmed by Instagram and, and Twitter and, and social media to just consume quick, consume fast, yeah. get that little endorphin hit off we go. And you think you understand something and it's like people, <laughs> it's like people talking about politics or, you know, current events and they're just giving you their two cents and you're like, you're just repeating what you heard somewhere else. You're not mm. actually thinking about it from a logical point of view. You're not actually going, Hmm, does that stand up? Does that stand? Does that pass the bullshit test? Does that in my, in my, in my own experience of life, does that actually stand up as true? Maybe not. Um, so I think you're dead right. Yeah. Actively consuming is very, very different. Yeah. And so we were talking about the MBA there or college in general, it's kind of like a, a bundle of, say yeah network and personal transformation content i suppose as well uh, although that is now kind of free on the internet to everyone um and a number of other things are there, are there any kind of good approaches you've seen to taking those uh, different components apart and rebundling them for cheaper are there any ideas that you have for kind of the next version of the mba i've been thinking about this a lot actually because i think I think we're at a big transformation point in history. You touched on it there in terms of things slowly coming, things that were kind of creeping in at the edges, like, you know, people like you were, were starting to explore, you know, we're online learning and people who are kind of at the bleeding edge of stuff were kind of looking going, I think remote work is going to be big. I prefer it. I'm going to explore it. I'm going to play with it. And it's always the people who are right on the edge of stuff. Like not all of it will become mainstream but probably in five years time, that's what the majority will be doing because it takes so long for the general population to adopt an idea because it has mm. to be proven by so many people and people watch by learning. So you'll watch by what your neighbor doing. Oh, well, if my neighbor's doing that, probably should try that because, you know, I don't want to get left behind. You know, we're, we're, we're very basic creatures at the end of the day. We're, you know, we're programmed very simply. Yeah. We look at other people and go, I'm, I'm going to mimic what they're doing because, you know, it's back to the caveman days. Well, he didn't die, so I'll, I'll just do that. I'll eat that meat or I'll eat that flour. So I think there's a lot of, you know, areas that I think are going to be completely upended. I think college is one of them. I think that's going to be one of the biggest because I think a lot of it is is very broken. I've been on both sides of the coin. I've lectured and I've also done a lot of college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> too much college in hindsight, but again, in hindsight, I don't regret regrets are a waste of time but you know if i was telling my 18 year old self i'd be like yeah get your degree and then get a damn a lot of experience i think it's going to change i, I hope it's going to change i think because colleges have become these massive bureaucratic structures of they're unbelievably good communicating and organizing a lot of people because that's damn hard you know you're organizing a thousand people every year in a new in a new year you have all these classes and all these modules and you might have 10,000 new first years. You might have, you know, 20,000 second years. And you might, you might be on, on campus. You might have a hundred thousand people floating about all doing different things. So I think they're unbelievably good at organization administration, but I think there's a huge amount of dead wood in the system and people who are just milking it for what it's worth, not star over in the same brush. I've had unbelievable lectures that have shaped me hugely and I've mentioned some of them already. Yeah. Yeah, but I think there's a lot of lecturers who are just passing the time. They're cashing the check. They've never been in the area that they're teaching, and I have a huge gripe with this. This is one of my little peeves. I have a huge gripe with people who teach a subject, but they've never 
actively engaged in it. Yeah. They're not never going to go out and start a, start a company, not at all, but they'll have to have worked in it. They'll have to have had some skin in the game. Nassim Talib talks about this. Yeah, yeah. Skin in the game. You have to, otherwise it's just all free. Like, it's great. Like, I can read all these books, but I can't enact all the information in it because I'm not doing it. Like, I can understand it. As you said, you possibly understand it. I do a transplant because I've read the book. Do you know what I mean? It's it's very, very different. Yeah, like, yeah. I think, so I have a kind of a problem with that yeah. in terms of, you know, I think there's a lot of people there. You know, you wouldn't go to a driving instructor and go, you know, you see him get off the bus and then get into the car to teach you. You just wouldn't. You'd be like, what the, what are you doing? Are you going to teach me to drive? You know, I just have a massive problem with it. And I think, you know, colleges need to be rethought. I think the structure has to change in terms of maybe the first year or even maybe two years is not exploration, but it's learning how to bring in information, learning what you like, what are you into? Like, because when you go in, especially, you know, depending on where you're from, you know, we'll have different opportunities. You know, I'm from a small town in Tipperary you know, you're not going to have the same exposure as to someone who grew up in Blackrock in Dublin and went to a private school. You're, you're just not. Yeah. The world isn't going to be as broad. I yeah. It's that's right or wrong. It's just different. It's the, uh, it's a classic quote that, you know, talent is evenly distributed, but opportunity is not. And even the awareness of opportunity or the awareness of the amount of options out there for you to, to go ahead and seize. I think even one of the biggest things that I've realized this year is that, you know, the scope of careers that are available are you know endless it's not a finite list in any sense um stuff you'll never have heard of before and there'll be new careers coming every year yeah you know podcasting wasn't a thing five years ago now look at joe rogan do you know what i mean the, yeah yeah you're 100 right and I, I think college should be that place that it should be that breeding ground of ideas and and kind of what they probably were back in the day yeah melting pot of ideas and just open thinking and you just throw stuff at the wall and see what lands because now it's, it's quite rigid and structured and it has to be to a point in terms of you can't get a thousand people and go sure lads see what you're into <laughs> you know? yeah yeah be going out drinking pints and playing football but you know there has to be a happy medium whereby you can kind of i don't like the term lean in but you can kind of just go deeper on a subject and kind of go she's i'm really didn't think I was into like strategy, but actually really like yeah. that and historical stories. And, you know, maybe I am destined to do that or, you know, I really do enjoy media, you know, or whatever. Like, and I think it's very, how, how do you discover that if, if you don't, I think that's societies and stuff play a huge part. I think in college, going back again, I get actively involved in more societies and kind of like be less shy about things and just kind of go, yeah, I'd love to explore that. And just being a beginner, I think there's a huge advantage in kind of going, I know nothing about this. Go and get involved, you know, and just learn together. One thing I think that could help that I've been thinking about a bit is, you know, moving transition year to after sixth year when people are maybe a bit more mature and, and able to, to take advantage of it more. That's just, well, that's just one thing. I did transition year and it was, yeah, it was a bit of a DOS. There was bits of yeah, it that were pretty completely. good in terms of, I like the work experience part. I liked kind of like the starting your own mini company thing. But uh, yeah, a lot of it was pretty much a kickback here. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. I think, look, I think the whole leaving cert has to be changed. I think it's, yeah, it's, completely, yeah. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I think it's the worst 
possible structure for evaluating someone's intelligence, if you want to call it that. Like in no other form in your life are you going to have to cram for essentially a year, spit it all out in the page, and then never think about it again. Like consistency should be rewarded. So if you're consistently performing day in, day out, you know, week on week, year on year, that's where the value is. And that's where I think intelligence is. I think it's very, you know, there's a very few, a subset of people who have photographic memories who learn like that. But the majority of people, you know, need to perform day in, day out because that's what running a business is. That's yeah. what performing a career is. That's, that's, that's what you need to learn is learning the value of consistency and the value of performing day in, day out. I think that should be weighted above anything. Yeah, you're bang on because that's the they're the qualities that are actually going to stick to you in in real life. Look at any uh, debate, you know, sports person, business person, it's because they do it day after day after day after day after day. You know, Ronaldo, any of the top UFC fighters, it's just a grind day after day. Can do you have the stomach to go in and perform day after day after day? You know, it's easy to go in one day and go, yeah, nailed it today. You might be lucky on the day you go into your exam and you just, you know, I kind of you're exploring it a lot now in terms of healthy eating and diet, nutrition and mentality and, and exercise. But I know when I was young, like your age, I definitely, I was just pure ignorant to all that. I just, you know, you'd eat sugar and you, you know, you didn't even think of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was just not, it was just what you do. Oh, kind of Coke. Yeah. Cool. You know, you, well, and now we know the impact that has on your body and your physicality and your mentality. I think probably Rob Lipsit and uh, the likes of him are responsible for maybe an increased awareness mm-hmm in that regard. But uh, before we run out of time, we might hop into a few trends. I yes. know you always have your finger on the pulse. I'm addicted of, to this. This is my guilty on. pleasure. <laughs> yeah, this is my guilty pleasure. I kind of spend too much time looking at trends, yeah. looking at new ideas. I'm kind well, of it's, uh, it's probably a good kryptonite to have better than you know eating chocolate or <laughs> Netflix. Being an ideas nerd. Yeah, I yeah. love that podcast. Um, yeah. I think it's good. I think it's just, it's like, it's like what me and you've done here. Just get on and talk about ideas. I, I've really enjoyed this. It's uh, just go on and chat about ideas because again, it's like having that little, little network around you. I've learned to kind of get, surround myself with good people. And again, I've a few people will just literally sit and talk about ideas. We'll just have a coffee and talk about ideas. Uh, so what trends are bubbling up? What are you seeing? And then I'll, we'll do like a one for one. <laughs> you're, you're probably far more engaged. I was thinking of this today. I was like, tap into Will's little genius here and see what he's thinking about because uh, you're probably far more engaged in a younger demographic than I am. So, yeah, you're catching me off guard here. But one thing I'm really excited about is uh, ISAs, uh, income share agreements uh, for okay. people listening. Not you're going to say. I'm excited <laughs> about this. <laughs> Where, um, so for people listening, basically, you pay nothing up front to receive an education or receive some kind of service. And then once you are placed in a job above a certain level or achieve a certain outcome, then you pay back a percentage of your salary. So it's basically a way of aligning the incentives of an educational experience of some sort. So I'm just really excited about how, you know, that can work across different verticals like Lambda have done it with, with computer science, but I think definitely nursing is another place where it could work. Mm. even pilots training pilots that's that's very expensive for someone to pay for up front and yeah have you are you 
seeing anywhere that could could work. I'd be curious to hear your ideas on that. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think Lambda School has been really, really interesting. I think they've just turned them, taken a model and turned it on its head. I think that's a mm-hmm. great idea, especially in the States as well, where education is so expensive. Yeah, exactly. That's a key component of that and why it's so successful there. You know, people get themselves into hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt that sometimes they never come out of because education is so expensive. I think that's a really good idea over there. The income share agreements. Yeah. I was, I was listening to a few people talk about this in terms of, you know, buying a part of someone's future in terms of, yeah, it's, it's a little bit like, will. yeah, it's a little bit. Yeah. It's like that scene from billions where your man's like, uh, I'll sell you my soul for $20. Yeah. It's a weird one. I think that's an interesting model though, in terms of a college investing in you. Because I yeah. think that would incentivize the college. It's all about incentives. Like, what are you incentive to do? Are you incentivized to perform well? And flipping it on the reverse. So is the college incentivized to teach you well? And I think that would solve a lot of problems. All the stuff we just talked about in terms of having garbage lectures or having... It's a, yeah, it's a skin in the game. You know, there's... Yeah. 100%. I think ideas like that are good. Probably a bit far off here, I think, in colleges. What I would see is people doing highly focused learning so i think that this is one of the trends i'm looking at is highly focused learning in terms of going to the industry expert, the likes of david perel and doing one of those writing courses and going right okay i've got my business degree i've got because i think degrees are the new leaving cert i think before it was like oh yeah we got your leaving cert jesus now it's like you have no degree yeah why not unless you're a unless you're a teal fellow or or something like that (laughs) and that's i think that's kind of where i'm interested in is yeah kind of like apprenticeship models whereby people go and study under a great entrepreneur or study under a great writer or a photographer going back towards that practical style of learning i think there's a huge value in that so yeah that's very cool it's like the way airbnb went like back past hotels to uh people kind of um go stay in in each other's houses when we could go back you know past the college institutions to the age when you know apprenticeships and and guilds were the way people learned and it's it's that it's uh learning by doing as well and learning from someone who's actually done it as well come on yeah things i've talked about i've thought about this for a long time in terms of if i was going back to be like 18 again what would i do and i'd probably find like the best entrepreneur i could and go right it's just the structure though because it's odd and it's awkward you're kind of going oh can i work for you yeah in what way like what, what do you want to do <laughs> you know like you've no you're 18 you're out of school or you're out of college you're you're 21 you've no physical you know you probably unless you're a graphic designer or unless you're you know a writer or a videographer you know where's the opportunity for the people who want to be entrepreneurs so that's what i'm thinking yeah. about a lot is yeah been there I been there kind of a generalist i can do a little bit of everything i feel like you're describing my life yeah, there so gary yeah <laughs> it's true though like yeah it's so true it's difficult and like it's hard because without that structure of going because the biggest thing for for us even even in hospitals we used to constantly get um colleges would come to us and they're like oh look will you take someone on as an intern i'm like fuck probably not because you know by the time we've taught them everything they're yeah. gone you know so I'm just trying to find where I, how I would figure that out for people in terms of if you could just be click and play whereby, okay, you're coming in, you're going to do three months with me. 
these are the areas you're passionate about and you've done your pre-work. Like no yeah. business person wants more work. So I think it's, it's a case of a bit of both. So you both need to be bought in. You both need to have done some work because if the entrepreneur isn't bought in, they'll get bored of it in a few weeks and be like, oh, I'm just too busy, too busy, I'm sorry. And so you also have to validate, you have to verify them and go, they're the real deal. It's kind of like with my podcast, I always verify who these people are and kind of go, I try to get someone external to validate them and go, he's a real good dude. He knows what he's talking about. Nice guy, very real. It's the same for that. How do you get a structure whereby people are validated and going, yes, this is a valuable learning experience for both people. Yeah. Um, so I think basics, go in and get your basic, go in and get your degree or whatever, and then do your apprenticeship simultaneously, maybe three months on, three months off. And then post that, I think you have to be learning all the time in terms of, I think there's a big opportunity in people like people who maybe are, you know, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35. And they're kind of, they've had their first career nearly they've done their kind of eight nine years in a job they might be getting an age of like kind of bored now i want to work for myself and doing highly focused training and learning in terms of doing maybe three month courses you know whether it's writing or videography or, or, or podcasting so yeah I think there's an, a huge opportunity there in terms of other trends then um well, I, I tried to avoid COVID trends because I kind of went down the kind of the, the rat hole of, of COVID trends. And I think while it'll have huge macro impacts, I think a lot of stuff is kind of gimmicky. A lot of, yeah, a yeah. Lot of stuff that's popping yeah. up is kind of going to be relevant for a couple of months and then gone again. I think people are going to holiday at home more. I think people are going to seek experiences closer to them. That's something I'm looking into at the minute in terms of, I think like the days of nipping over to Bali for 10 days and doing a fitness camp will be gone for the foreseeable. I think this will change how people think about travel and think about, you know, where, where we are in the world. It kind of follows the theme of, you know, ecotourism and, you know, people's footprint. And I think younger yeah. generations like yourself are far more conscious about how you're spending your time, your money and the impact that's having on the planet. So the kind of the travel closer to home thing and the experience closer to home thing is something I'm actively looking into. That's one of the new ideas I'm looking into. I think Ireland, we're kind of very lucky here. Stable government, stable environment. I think, you know, we have a nice country. It's a lot of stuff to explore. So I'm kind of looking at things like in that space at the minute. Another one is podcasting, ironically enough. Yeah. That's a huge huge trend i'm super super bullish on it i and think we're at the start and i think people pretty. like yourself myself i think that's, so that's that's I, encouraging to hear because um yeah because because uh, a lot of people i'd say think that uh, podcasting is over or you know it's it's too crowded now but uh, i'm curious are you is one of the ideas you're bullish on like subscription podcasting or just kind of podcasting in general it's podcasting in general i'm looking at absolutely everything because for me, the next couple of years are establishing myself, learning, learning how to be a good podcaster because it's very different. It's very different having a conversation with someone on a podcast because there's all sorts of nuances that it's different having a conversation. Very yeah. different. And you've picked up a lot of the skills already just subconsciously listening to you. Like I used to butt in a lot. I used to be uh, I, 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 dying to get my point across because in a conversation, that's how it ebbs and flows. And I would put in a lot of filler words. I'd put in a lot of, mm -hmm, really? Okay, great. You know, just 
kind of reassuring them and reassuring myself. So there's a huge amount of skills. Yeah. For the next couple of years, for me, it's all about learning. I think podcasting hasn't even begun. Okay. That's I think. encouraging. Yeah. Well, and it's only one form at the minute. It's, it's yeah. kind of, you know, I think micro pods are going to be huge micro podcasting. I think sub five minute pods. So I'm looking at kind of breaking up new styles of content. So sub five minute pods and sub 30 minute pods. So breaking my content down into different styles so people consume it differently. I think video podcasting is going to become quite big because, you know, you just have to look at what the big boys are doing. Look at what Spotify are doing. And that's still super early because yeah. you know, everyone's like, Oh, podcasting is done. I get so many people reach out to me and going, oh, I'd love to start a podcast. And hardly anyone does because it's yeah. damn hard. They do one or two and then it's, then it's kind of over because it's relatively easy to start. Yeah. You don't actually need anything. You just need some sort of level of being able to communicate coherently and everything else is free. Essentially, you know, like the hosting is, is minimal. You could just host on YouTube for free if you wanted. So it's easy to start but it's very hard to be good. It's like anything. It's like any high value skill. People think it's quite easy. And I think it'll be like blogging back in the day. Loads of people started blogs. Very few people kept them going. You know, yeah. it was Tim Ferriss of the world. It was the people who just persisted because the podcasting is, is not, people are like, oh, it's peak podcast. <laughs> it's not even like, like, you just have to look at how bad all of the podcasting apps are. Yeah, it's never it's, impossible to find well, a bloody podcast. You, even if someone recommends it to you, you're like, give me the exact spelling because unless I put in the exact spelling, I'm not going to be able to find it. And it's, for me, that's something I think about a lot is discovery. How do I get my podcast discovered more? Because I think it's a huge, massive amount. Again, this is part of the opportunity in podcasting. There's so much value locked in, in podcasts. And it's kind of locked in this little vault of 60 minutes of a, of a hidden audio file. Yeah, we'll say something, and and if I'm listening back to a podcast in the car, mm-hmm. I'll be driving along, and next day we're like, oh, oh, that's such a good idea. And you're like, remember that, remember that, remember that, remember that. <laughs> You've gotten it's away. So, from it's, it's, it's so difficult. Yeah, it's so yeah. difficult to go back and find like what was said. Very few people post the transcript. Mm. And that's a big one. I think once people, because I was literally only doing it before we started here. I was doing spent the last two and a half hours going back through last week's podcast. Cast with Paul Galvin and just pulling out bits that I found relevant. And I was just literally sitting, listening to it again, going, okay, nine minutes, 15. Okay. And that's kind of, that probably ends mm, 14, 10, you know, and I was going back and physically pulling it out. And I think once podcasters are able to let people take control of it. So let people, you know, like you can retweet or you can yeah. share your idea super easy, or I can share your Instagram post super easy and I can forward on your Instagram post or I can forward on your Twitter. I think when podcasting is able to do that really easy in a really slick format, and I kind of, I'm kind of thinking Spotify will be the place. Yeah. Um, I think then, because it's, it's super hard. It's kind of the one to many approach. Do you know what I mean? It's very hard for yeah. me. Like you understand now on your own podcast, it's a good bit of work and it's very hard for me to extract all the value because maybe what I see is the value is not what 200 people see as the value. They love this other quote where they're like, Oh my yeah, God, yeah. I can't believe he said this. And, but it's yeah. intangible. It's up in the air. And you're like, well, how do I share that? I have to retype it in Twitter and then yeah, yeah. It, you know, tag me, yeah. tag you. I think that happens. It's, it's so, uh, 
like it's so manual it's it's really hacky you just have you even go to podcast notes to find like a breakdown of it so yeah there's definitely a lot to be done there and that's and, why I'm uh, bullish on it because it's hard damn hard and that's why i'm bullish on it because i know if it was easy we'd be too far you know a youtube channel it's unbelievable the tools for youtube youtube is incredible and i think once because it's hacky and it's difficult and it's a little bit kind of, you kind of have to manhandle a little bit. That's why I know we're early because it's difficult, you know. Exactly right. It reminds me of something Josh Wolf actually said on the Farnham Street podcast. When you're looking to build a breakthrough business, just ask yourself, what sucks? Look for something that's hacky or that's difficult and improve that process. And it's a pretty easy way of, of coming up with a breakthrough idea that a lot of people are going to love you for. You've absolutely nailed it. Well, uh, Gary, I think that's as good a place as any to finish up. And I just wanted to thank you again for coming on the show. Had a blast and hope the listeners are going to have as much fun listening to this as uh, we did recording. I really enjoyed this. 